Hi, I'm Keith Law. Welcome to episode 29 of The Keith Law Show. This show is going up a little bit early because we have Labor Day coming up. So this is the Labor Day episode. You're just getting it as a bonus a couple of days ahead of when it would normally be posted. I'll be talking to my friend Will Leach today about baseball, baseball in the COVID era, his Cardinals fandom, and going back to the movies. Uh, Just real quick, I did have a couple of pieces around the trade deadline earlier this week. We split my trade deadline analyses into two de- two separate pieces. One was specifically on moves involving the Padres, and one was for everybody else. If you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you should check those out. Also, just wanted to let people know, I only mention this occasionally, mostly because I just forget to do so. I have an email newsletter of my own. It is at keithlaw. Uh, sorry, tinyletter.com slash keithlaw. I've been sending it out Basically, every other week, trying to do a little bit more often now that I've got more baseball content coming out. It's completely free. It includes some more personal writing than what you might find for me on The Athletic or even on my own site, The Dish. We'll get to my conversation with Will Leach in just a moment. But first, a word from one of our sponsors. Well, now it is my pleasure to be joined by my friend, Will Leach. He writes for a lot of places. He's a contributing editor for New York Magazine. He writes for MLB. He has a a new novel coming out. I know it's already been purchased. We'll talk a little bit about that. But I know that uh, uh, we have a publisher for uh, Mm -hmm. your new novel. You might know Will as the founder of Deadspin. I also am a huge fan of the podcast he does with Tim Grierson. <laughs> Grierson. Yeah, Grierson. Yes. Grierson. It's Grierson and Leach. It is my favorite movie podcast. I listen to it every week. Often while I'm mowing the lawn, it turns out one episode of Grierson and Leach is basically the size of my lawn. You have a nice lawn. <laughs> we yak a lot. <laughs> you talk a lot, as it turns out. Yeah, I have, about, I have like half an acre and it takes a long time. But now I look forward to mowing the lawn because I have the Grierson and Leach show to tide me over. So anyway, that is a long introduction for Will Leach. Hi, Will. How are you? Uh, a pleasure, sir. A very much an honor. It's, I'm glad to finally that you are working for a publication that will allow me on this podcast. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to have that opportunity. We finally made it. Will was supposed to be a guest on one of the podcasts I did over at my former employer and some very higher up people were like, no, he used to write for the bad bad website at at the dead spin and they said he they they didn't say i couldn't have you on they just said i shouldn't have you on and i was like <laughs> anyway the policy did eventually change i was on yeah. zach lowe's show yep. and i also think that if you look at the people that came after me at dead spin mm-hmm. the idea that like i was the problem over there for espn has always struck me kind of amusing but uh but let this let that's that, that, that that's back when deadspin existed as a site with employees and uh yeah. and, and, and what well, was like the and, and stink of association i guess right it was that that you were simply yeah. you had deadspin well you created it so it was your fault everything that came afterwards yes. was your fault that's true i i'm listen i back before what the what happened to deadspin in november happened to deadspin i was really always kind of in the perfect strike zone for deadspin because i had not worked there for a very long time but when deadspin did something really great people would be like wow will you founded that yeah. place way to go you must be so proud and when they did something terrible they would say well when will ran the place that would never happen <laughs> which is the exact strike zone that you want to be in uh unfortunately now uh it's something that that, that no one wants to be associated with. so uh let's talk a little bit about baseball in general and you just wrote a piece for new york magazine i have not have not read it yet but i saw your just just saw your tweet a few moments before we 
uh, started recording here, uh, talking about the improbability of college football actually happening in some form this fall. And that's kind of how I feel about baseball. We've actually gotten farther into the season without a catastrophic event than I expected. We've had a few outbreaks. Major League Baseball actually seems to have handled them pretty well. You know, teams have missed games, but the season, the machine has continued running so far. And I kind of feel maybe a little guilty about it, but it's kind of a win, right? I feel like this is good. Well, our sport, sport from which I derive my living also, is playing. And everyone seems to be basically okay. I think that's good. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I had a lot of the same reservations that other people did too, while also, in fact, I had a lot of reservations watching it at first. Uh, for the first weekend, it was definitely very kind of disorienting to watch it just because, again, should I be watching this? Is this distracting me from things I should be paying attention to? I ultimately have figured out, I think it's, there's actually a good place for it. As a, I'm a Cardinals fan in addition to someone that writes about baseball. I find myself less invested in how the Cardinals do in a macro sense this year, whether they make the playoffs or I don't get so upset about games. I just find myself kind of grateful and relieved leave to have the games as like a thing they're not a distraction they're just something there's something that it, it that uh, takes us away from the uh, daily um whatever noun you'd like to use to describe the daily lives <laughs> that we're all kind of experiencing right now uh but i would say certainly testing wise i i do think and listen i would say that um i'm not sure major league baseball always gives itself particularly in the lead up to the start of the season uh gave a lot of people a lot of faith and necessarily that they were on top of everything. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I think that that had people in kind of a defensive crouch and frankly baseball in a defensive crouch uh, from the get-go. But I will say uh, it has gone better than I thought it was going to. And I actually think it's funny, you know, the, the key thing, I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago about this on New York Magazine, talking specifically about the NBA, but also about how all sports have basically done the things that we wanted neither our federal government to do and didn't. And pretty much from the get-go, uh, from trusting, from, from uh, getting a partnership with your employees to testing the most important part of this from the get-go, uh, the idea, the, the reason baseball is working is not only testing, but like clear protocols that they've put come across with the union now. One of the things that happened with the Cardinals, the Cardinals obviously are the worst case scenario in this. But remember, the problem with the Cardinals was not that they had two or three positive tests. The problem was that they had two or three positive tests, then went through the MLB protocols, were cleared to play, and then had another outbreak. That was actually what happened with the Cardinals. And so those protocols have been tightened up to where now they're doing they're doing all the things that Frankly, we should all be doing in our lives or, and not. Uh, and it's hard because you know, the NBA and the NHL and WNBA, it was, it's been easier because they're in a bubble. I say that easy. Mm-hmm. They had to construct an artificial environment. But like they've done that. It's not surprising to see if there were a positive test in any of those sports, it would be a huge deal because it would mean the bubble had been punctured somewhat. Baseball is a sport that's going around playing outside of a bubble. So to see the number of the, the the positivity rate on tests that baseball has for people that are staying in hotels, that are traveling across the country, that are getting in planes, the fact that it is so low and you have situations like the Mets and A's where not only someone tests positive, but then you're able to track, okay, were they around this person? Let's check this person and able to isolate. Um, uh, what's interesting is uh, Austin Gomber, a pitcher for the Cardinals, never tested positive for COVID, but he was on the COVID list because through contact tracing, he was close to a player who had it. That's the system working this, the way it's supposed to have. He was not allowed to be around other people because he was near someone who had had it, even though he never, in fact, had it himself. That is 
that's what we should all be doing. <laughs> and, and I think that, like, the baseball, sure, because they're not in a bubble, they've had more uh, high-profile stuff, and the Cardinals thing was certainly a mess, but it seems to be under control. Uh, the protocols have been tightened, and even when there's a positive test, they've generally been able to isolate and keep going. And they've almost made it. And uh, I find that, uh, frankly, pretty impressive. If I'm the NFL, um, the, obviously the sport uh, is different, but if I'm the NFL... They've had the advantage of to watch all these other sports and see how they go and adjust it accordingly. I feel like the NFL's probably got to feel pretty encouraged. I think that, and we'll, last thing on this, I feel like a key thing for baseball is when my Miami played that game on Sunday and did not give it to any Phillies players. Right. I feel like that was huge. Like that was like a okay. So we just got to isolate as a, on a team basis. To me, that was that was a big deal. That to me is something that's going to be harder for football. That was what my, my piece in New York Magazine was about. Was the idea that Austin P. They there's one been called one college football game already. Austin P. Had clearly had multiple players that tested positive on Wednesday and were off the roster on Saturday, but there was no contract chasing. There was no, uh, there, there was none of that at all. And so lots of players would have, in Major, in Major League Baseball, they would have not have been allowed to play that game. In college football, they were not only allowed to, they were encouraged to. And I think that's that's how you do it wrong. I don't think baseball's gotten it perfect, but I do think there's, it's been a lot better than than I think it looked like it was going to be. It's, but I'm glad you brought up the contact tracing part of this too, because that, I would say is the part I think that these sport le- sports leagues, particularly baseball, seem from an outside perspective to have done particularly well. And because I, I was actually just looking at um, COVID Act Now as the site I've been looking at for for just to try to get some COVID data, mostly to see how Delaware is doing right. since it's where I live and also because we're surrounded by other states, right? Delaware could be perfect, right. but our borders are rather irrelevant, right? People come <laughs> right. back and forth all the time to go to work or because it's no, there's no sales tax, yeah. come shop in Delaware. You drive and over country as someone that was yes, we are. fly over Pay country. our toll. Absolutely. <laughs> Just drive on through and pay our toll. Our t- God knows our taxes aren't high enough to fund the schools. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I was looking at Arizona though because – there's still the possibility they'll hold an Arizona Fall League, which is very important, obviously, to what I do. And to a lot of scouts teams are shedding scouts because they're trying to save a few pennies here. And they're saying, well, there's no minor leagues for these guys to scout this year. But guess what? If we do fall leagues of any sort, that's where you need scouts. That's the best time for one of the best things that scouts do all year. And Arizona, despite having the uh, the epidemic like reasonably under control there, has very, very little contact tracing. And my I thought, as I was looking at them, Major League Baseball should be going to the state of Arizona and saying, A, you need to improve your contact tracing if you want us to send a bunch of business to you. B, guess what? We're pretty good at that stuff on a smaller scale, but still, at least they're doing it. And I feel like maybe I'm not in a position to make this judgment, but I feel like part of why Major League Baseball has managed to limit each one of these outbreaks is that they're doing the kind of contact tracing you're seeing in other countries that have done a way better job with the pandemic than the United States has. To me, one of the most remarkable things, again, I've obviously, uh, I follow the Cardinals things on a daily basis so you could see <laughs> how this was going. And what was interesting is that second, there was one final last positive test and everyone was like, oh no, here they go again. Right. And it was Ryan Helsley. But like, Literally, the Cardinals had anticipated Ryan Helsley testing positive because they had followed where he had gone and they had seen the people that were around him, which is the way this is supposed to work. Like, again, this is the way everyone's supposed to be doing this. And so, uh, you know, and again, as I wrote in the piece, not the one you're talking, the college football piece, but a couple weeks ago, that that's the argument of why sports, and again, not just the NBA, the NBA gets all the credit for it, and they should, to construct an environment like that is 
pretty impressive. I think you're starting to see the mental strain that is kind of an emotional strain that is putting on NBA players uh, in there. But I don't think there's any question that that's, it's been a success on keeping the virus out. Um, what baseball has done, I think, is pretty impressive too. In that, and the reason that they've done it is because. Frankly, they've been financially incentivized to do so. Yes. <laughs> they have been like that's why <laughs> it right? helps, and 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 it's weird that it, it's it's I uh, as a line the piece because I know a lot of people do this. A lot of people are like, well, why do baseball players have access to all of these tests and teachers don't or students don't? And I totally agree. I do not disagree with that at all. But like. Just because that should be the case does not mean the baseball players should not inherently be tested. Like it is exact. They're, right. they're doing that. Like the reason they're getting those tests is because baseball is paying for them. Now, again, yep. in a perfect world, baseball would pay for tests for all of the teachers, so my third grader and first grader could get back to school. Uh, but, but for the record, I don't know if how invested they are in the Barrow County community school system <laughs> as they are uh, in being able to in be able to play in baseball. And so, for me, that is. Uh, I, I, that's how they did it. Like that's how they've made it through this. That's how they survived this. And to me, that is a major success uh, in, in, a, in a lot of ways. And something that uh, we'll see if they get there. And to me, a lot of these questions to see what's going to happen next year. Like what happens next mm-hmm. year, right? The idea of uh, are they going to have fans in the stands? Like you're already seeing the NFL. I can buy a ticket to a Jacksonville Jaguars game right now and go sit in the stands if I want to in Florida excellent place to be going to to watch a football game right now but i can do that like if baseball tries to like in a lot of ways a lot of sports leagues this year are just trying to get through the year the nba is trying to finish their season the nhl is trying to finish their season uh baseball is trying to just salvage something to get to the playoffs of the postseason be able to say they have the 2020 season the nfl is actually other than the fans idea is actually like they're trying to put together a full season like this is this is what Next year, what happens to baseball next year in April? Are they going to do this again? Are we going to have no fans again? Are they going to have them have these strict protocols again? To me, that is a pretty big question, not just like competitive-wise, but obviously financial-wise. Uh, they have salvaged basically two months of a season. It looks like they're going to make it. Uh, that's really impressive. Uh, next year, I think, is the real challenge. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free, unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments, and you can cancel at any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com law for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com law for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. So the Cardinals... Which I think you've mentioned once or twice. Your in, favorite in my team. life, a couple times. Yes, yes, definitely. It's the Gerson and Leach and Cardinals. Podcast, <laughs> yes, actually. correct. Um, so I'm look. I pulled up the standings just to make sure. So the Cardinals are 14 and 13 right now. That puts them in second place uh, by winning percentage in the NL Central. They are three games behind in the standings. The Chicago Cubs, who are 21 and 14, that is an eight-game swing in games played. Uh, I know that, the, at least in the case of the Marlins, they're, the, the Marlins have a seven-game series, seven games in five days against the Phillies in September. 
Um, so there are attempts to try to get these teams that have lost games to COVID outbreaks to catch up. But how would you like to see that handled? Have you thought about that since one? Since this is the team you're rooting for? They're very much in the middle of this. There's a good chance the Cardinals end up playing five fewer games than the Cubs or any of the teams they're directly competing against. This this would apply to all of the playoff calculations. How would you like to see them handle the teams that just don't get to play as many games? And for the record, the, Car- the Cardinals haven't had any rainouts yet uh, because to me, that's mm-hmm. the problem. They, I think they, the Cardinals have, uh, moving forward, um, more doubleheaders, five, than they have days off. <laughs> and interesting sure enough, the players love that I, you know yes. the, the it's actually kind of an interesting thing because the players actually had a two-game series with the twins at home they mm-hmm. elected to play a double header on the first of those two days so they could have the next day off the day off, which i yeah. thought was really interesting and i think probably a wise move particularly in a seven inning uh, game they are actually scheduled to, i think it's 33 games the rest of september which is an insane amount of games and that's not even counting the double header against detroit which they would have to make up if detroit detroit or the cardinals are apparently still in the playoff games that's uh, that's for, so like what's interesting is like you know in the last week if just from from i think some teams not uh, pl- not playing because of the protests and uh, and like i don't mm-hmm. think they've actually got all the games back on the schedule yet the Cardinals are actually all back on the schedule like all those games have been put back on the schedule save for that Detroit series which again will happen only if the Cardinals or Tigers need it for some sort of player playoff seating to me, I, th- I found it interesting, and we can, you know, I, I know there was much discussion of the Brody, uh, of the Mets, uh, and the Brody and the Rob Manfred thing. Um, uh, we, and uh, Brody, uh, Van Wagernon, I think it's Wagernon, I think it's Wagernon <laughs> is the actual way to pronounce that. Uh, and, uh, you know, his argument about, about, about Manfred and saying it was Manfred, then he, he ended up coming off of it. Uh, certainly, uh, um, the idea of... I think one of the mistakes that was made in that is is from a place of right now baseball so focused on just trying to just like miss a game miss like the, the the focus they're trying to fit so much into a two month season that the idea you miss one game is obviously a massive problem so like I like they clearly were wrong and we can argue whether it was Manfred or is, or is Wagernon it's Wagernon yes um, yes yes uh, you can we can argue about Brody Van Wags yeah yeah V Dubs I think is the way V-dubs, I know Dubs BB Dubs um, but. Uh, I'm sure someone sounds actually, like a, yeah. sounds like a brand of men's undergarments. Someone actually. does call him V Dubs in his life. I have oh, no yes, doubt. Definitely. Um, definitely. But anyway, so um, uh, the I miss like it is. They are legitimately trying to get all of these games rescheduled. I think the Cardinals are the perfect example. Like it's the Cardinal games are on the schedule now. It's been wild because I pay very close attention to the Cardinals and their minor league system, and there have been three or four pitchers I have just literally never heard of on the, on, <laughs> on this team. I've just never seen their name before, and uh, and they've come in, and then I think there was that Royal Ramirez came in uh, and pitched uh, one inning and gave up those four homers to the four straight White Sox guys and got sent right back to the minor leagues. Like that's the thing you're gonna see sometimes. I think. But uh, the Cardinals are recovering that. But yeah, that's when you look at the schedule. I feel like, you know, right now the tiebreakers are winning percentage and and then head to head. I think they're going to have to get there. The Cardinals may get to sixty games. I'm not sure every team is going to. Any ordinary year, I would find that unacceptable. I remember you looking back at 1981 and being like, wait, they just took a first-half team and a second-half team and not having the team with the best records. And I looked back, I'm like, how appalling. How did they let that happen? (laughs) And now I watch, I'm like, oh, okay, I understand why they did that because they're just doing their best to cobble together a season. It's why a lot of things that I think are horrible, like having this many playoff teams – 
are kind of fun because this year is, you know, it's 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 not real. Like it's it's real. I think a champion right. will be. Ca- I think I, I don't mean to say that it's not real. Uh, if you win the World Series, I think you count as a World Series. You champion. count yes. absolutely, and I think I think that works. These stats all count. But there's also, uh, I think Joe Sheehan calls it Calvin Ball. And I think that, like, there's yeah. a lot of Calvin Ball to this season. I'm okay with that if it gets them through it. And I think, they, uh, I think they're going to make it. Yeah, well, it certainly looked like Calvin Ball uh, the night before we're recording this, right? Because the Cardinals scored 16 runs. The Giants nearly <laughs> scored in every inning, um, which I was really rooting for them to score in yeah. the ninth. They, just to be the one guy they didn't was the was the non-pitcher, right? <laughs> yes, right. Drew Butera. <laughs> yes. Whose dad I worked with in the Blue Jays. I think he was originally our draft pick, and he was like an organizational catcher. And he said this he's had quite a career, including that wasn't even his first pitching appearance. He's like a grizzled oh, yeah. veteran now. <laughs> yes. That's kind of impressive. Um yeah, I feel like the the obviously you've watched a lot of games. Have you noticed any difference in the quality of play? Like I and I'm not I'm not I agree with you on all of your points about this counts, it's real. It also feels like a bonus season, right? Yeah. There was a good chance we weren't going to get anything. I'm grateful so for it. Just taking it what it is. Yeah, I find myself I grateful yes. for it rather than uh, – I'm usually much more nitpicky about my baseball and about all the little parts of it. This year, I'm just kind of grateful to have it. And and yes. not to say that I still not – I don't get irritated by things or so on. But on the whole, there's baseball happening. I, fa- I wrote a piece about this for MLB.com about listening to games on the radio. Listen to games on mm. the radio to me has become this way – like it's very very difficult to get away from the pandemic, and I don't. I think it's kind of socially responsible not to try to get away from it. But occasionally, we're humans; we need a break. Listening, yep. like when you're watching a baseball, when you watch an NBA game, you can almost convince yourself like there's a fan. It, it almost looks the same. It almost looks the same. Baseball, you see the foul balls go in the empty seats. You see the right. you see the weird fox fake fans. You see the cardboard cutouts of which hopefully me and my sons are going to get hit with a line drive at some point. At yes, because yeah. we have to. I like those pictures. Uh, That's great. But uh, but you, on the but you still know it's not real. Uh, it's not the same. R- uh, radio, you can convince yourself of it. Like you can actually convince yourself. You can listen to a game and get back in the headspace like you were listening to a game before all this. And I find that kind of comforting. Uh, sorry, I interrupted your question with my little my little reverie about radio. No, that's actually that's totally fine. And it's funny because you 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 talking about that too brought up six other things I would would ask you if we had time an infinite time for the podcast. What I was going to ask was I feel like we are definitely seeing a little dilution in the quality of play this year. Not enough to make me say, "Oh, this is terrible. I can't watch this." I, trust me, I'll watch. I go watch high school baseball as part of my job. Like clearly, quality of play is not a deal breaker for me. But it seems a little different this year. I just think we're seeing, especially because so many pitchers are getting hurt. And teams, it's not like teams aren't trying to keep them healthy, right? They're trying to use them less. But it just seems like the reality is they're just, uh, you know, we're just seeing a lot of pitchers in the majors. You made a crack about that earlier. I agree. There have been a bunch of guys called up where I've said, I don't know if I know who that guy is. And then I have to go look and say, wait, oh, I saw him in the fall league three years ago. And I don't remember because they weren't prospects, prospects. They made the big leagues. Because teams just need more pitchers this year. Again, not a complaint, just kind of an observation. Curious if you felt like you've seen the same thing. Yeah, and it's also hard to tell how much of this is uh, also the next step in the progression we've kind of seen a lot of. In that, like, there's mm-hmm. a lot more strikeouts, and there's a lot more, uh, and there's a lot yeah. more strikeouts, and there's a lot. It's more of a homer-based uh, game, and uh, and you know, I can't tell. I can't tell. Uh, how much of that, particularly because you know the way baseball, as you know, has become kind of specialized. Um, 
a lot of these relievers are coming in and just th- like teams are incentivized to destroy young pitchers' arms. Like I don't, I don't, I don't yep. think there's really any question over that. And so not, th- that's already that was something ha- something that was happening before this year. Now it's happening where a lot of these guys have not built up and have not been able to work up for this. And you're going to see guys that come in and throw 98, 95, 99 for like 14 innings this year and are never heard from again. <laughs> and, and, and I, and I think, and I think that's, I think that's what's going to happen. And for me, like with a lot of things um, outside of just baseball, at this particular moment, the worry is it's hard. It's, it's hard to get your arms around them now, but the real issue is how this affects things later. And I, you know, it's one thing that we're seeing uh, the quality. Of, I agree with you. The quality plays a little different, though. Again, I can't tell how much of it is this is becoming a more strikeout game anyway, and how much are, and a more strikeout and homer game anyway. And there's just a, and there's also a weirdness when there, some games are just randomly seven innings, and some games we we start yes. uh, we, we we start yep. next things. Like things are just generally different anyway. So it's hard to tell how much it related to trends that were already moving and things that are happening specific this year. I'm more worried about what great pitchers are we're not going to see in 2022 now. And what like what people were losing, right? Like for me, that that's one thing that I worry about. The games themselves, I I don't I I find them. I wouldn't say the regardless of the quality of the play, I find them compelling. I find them. I find it enjoyable to hear the players. <laughs> to be honest, I find it enjoyable. Yeah. I find it enjoyable to see more of that interaction. Uh, getting back to the Cardinals moment, Adam Wainwright threw a complete game on his 39th birthday, and it's even <laughs> Yadier Molina. They've been together forever, and they both pause and put their masks on, and, and like they pause at the man after the last down and put their mask on and come. To, like I like those little. Things where you're seeing, I like that Mike Schilt wore his mask upside down the other day, and I'm just like, what? So, <laughs> like just all of those weird little things that you see in baseball when you watch a team every day or watch baseball every day. All those little eccentricities, that's all still there, and they're almost kind of uh, accentuated a little bit just because of the unusual circumstances. I'm finding the enjoyment. Uh, I, I'm very much enjoying the games. I am definitely worried that uh, the the compromises that we've kind of made for this season, we won't really know the after effects of them for a while. But again, I'm so grateful to have them right now that uh, uh, the idea that in 2022, when theoretically we will have a vaccine and theoretically we'll be maybe not back to normal, but at least back to being able to my children being back in school. Right. The idea that I'll be like, oh, but this thing I love is slightly worse now because of this thing that helped me get through 2020. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I may make that may, may comfortably make that exchange in a couple of years. Yes. It's funny you mentioned the mask thing, too. So uh, my partner's a, a big uh, Phillies fan, and they have D.D. Gregorius, uh, who I just enjoy as a player anyway. I just like the way he plays. But he's wearing a mask all the time. He always has the mask on, which I absolutely appreciate. I wish more players did that. But his mask, I don't know what it is. It's its its totally black, and it's big. Like, it really covers, it looks like it's covering way more of his face than is actually required by a mask, which is totally fine. But I just kind of love it because it is so like i am not spreading this virus <laughs> yeah it's great too also wait, this may be a side thing big masks yeah. are good like I, it's always bad yes. for me. It's, I, to me one of my favorite well, another favorite little sub thing that's happened during the season is umpire and manager arguments 
are truly amazing right now and uh yeah. like, like it is to see them be angry it's to see them put the get the mask on some a lot of managers are wearing the mask already but to get the mask on and some people are wearing uh, I, and i understand like you know a lot of people like the disposable masks where you just the, the blue disposable yeah. mask but it's often too small for people's faces so every time they yell which they are doing they're yelling at umpire it pops off of their nose they have to keep putting it back on the umpire yells back and he has to put his back on they should all be wearing dd masks like everybody just wear dd masks you guys can yell just fine wear big yep. masks i don't understand why people don't wear masks and also i don't think joe madden got enough gruff for this and maybe this is lingering cardinal annoyance at uh at joe madden <laughs> he got in an umpire fight the other day where he came out without a mask and just like screamed in the faces of everyone and i know whatever it's an emotional moment i get it but i love that i've been enjoying not only watching an umpire manager fight with masks but to watch them actually be conscious and diligent while furious like that's yes. kind of amazing like most furious, <laughs> like, like uh, there's something kind of awesome about that i, I really kind of enjoy and it's just another one of those fun tw- uh, quirks of this season that are, are kind of wild so let's shift gears a little bit you also do an email newsletter at uh william f leach that's f l e i t c h i always want to say fletch because I, I know how much you love that movie <laughs> yeah, no i don't i am excited <laughs> oh, to say, not I, since breakfast i am excited to see uh, uh a cardinals fan john ham john ham is playing uh doing a reboot of fletch and i have to say if someone were to do it Ooh. i actually think john ham could do it i think john ham yeah john ham could i think he could pull it i always thought john ham or like jason sudeikis could be someone yeah. that could maybe yeah. maybe be a, a flesh character. I, I have great nostalgic fondness for that movie. There are parts of it that have not aged particularly well. The sequel is one of the worst things yeah. I've ever seen. Um, but uh, it, the fact that you and Tim loathed that movie as much <laughs> as you did uh, both offended me and cracked me up because the whole time I was listening to you rant about how terrible this movie was, I would – I would just be running through quotes in my head, you know, uh, Dr. Rosen, Rosen. (laughs) I do feel like history has proven us correct about Chevy Chase. Like I, I, I definitely feel like history has come around to us on Chevy Chase, but anyway, yes, yes. So on your at your newsletter, WilliamFleach.substack.com. It's free, unlike most of it's free. Yes, Yes. it's free. You talked about your experience of going into a movie theater. And I, like you, have not been to a movie theater since before all of this started. I think Ford v. Ferrari mm-hmm. yeah. was the last movie I saw in movie. a theater. Yeah, good movie. Uh, it was a very good movie. We saw a late screening. It was my partner and I were trying to get all the Best mm-hmm. Picture nominees. That was the last one. That was nine out of nine for us. And we both walked out saying, that was better than we expected it to be. Um, that's it. I haven't been to a theater since then. So what was it like and will first tell people what you saw i know what you saw tell people what you saw and why you picked that particular movie and then what was it like what was it like would you go back to another movie maybe when tenet hits theaters in a week or so okay so uh the movie i saw again i, I host a movie podcast so at a certain level this was a decision i was going to have to come to one way or the other mm-hmm. um and i am live i live in athens georgia where theaters are open they, they are open this is not like if i lived in new york and los angeles this would not this would be an academic conversation because i could not actually go to a movie theater because they're not open so um but I, uh, there was a movie called The New Mutants, which is an X-Men movie. And uh, Grace and I have been ranking movies for Vulture for a long time. We had ranked X-Men movies. And so I figured I should go see it. I should go see it to uh, uh, for several reasons. One, to finish off the rankings because I'm a completist by nature. Uh, mm-hmm. But two, also... No one was going to go see it. It was not a popular movie. It's kind of being dumped in theaters. And eventually, I did want to see Tenet. 
So for me, I thought this would be a good way to do it. You could pick your seats. You can see, have never mind just distance. I know it's indoors. So like a lot of that has to do with air conditioning as opposed to necessarily being indoors. But I like for me, there was one other person in the theater I saw going in. There was one person in the theater. And I kind of wanted to see the last movie I saw before all of this was a movie called The Hunt. Uh, which was uh, not a good movie, um, but did briefly have a cameo from Sturgill Simpson, which I found amusing. Um, but the, the movie, yeah, the movie is not good. And, but it was also I saw it on March fourteenth, so like right after everything, right after like the March eleventh, the Tom Hanks and Sniffly Trump and uh, and and Judy Gobert, like that night. Uh, and so I, I, I very much like I was convinced every single person I saw was a threat. Like it was right in the heat of it. No one was wearing masks then because we were told not to wear masks then actually. So that experience was so upsetting and just like I couldn't wait to get out of there. I was like, how will it be different now if I'm wearing mm-hmm. a mask, if everyone is now very aware of this? And so I went and I have to say, I, I did not, the movie was not good, uh, but I didn't expect it to be good. But the experience was, I, I wanted to have that to be training wheels for a movie that I actually did uh, wanted to see, which was Tenet, which I have also seen in a the theater since then. It was also not very crowded. A few more people people and the question is whether i'd be able to get myself lost in a movie to me that is the joy of movies the way that i don't even really get lost in sports is you get lost in a movie you go you get transported to a different place uh you are a different person experiencing different things uh would i be able to do that in the middle of a pandemic and uh, i'm not there yet and i'm not going to make and for me most of these movies are still streaming at home so i don't know how much i have to go to this but i do think at a certain level everybody's making their own decisions on this but the hard part about all of this of course we say well you got to make your own decisions yeah but so you know your decisions totally affect me and my family and whether my children go to school or whether my parents stay healthy. So, um, you know, I, I, am trying to be cautious about, I, I, you, you want to do the right thing, but you also don't want to walk, walk around feeling like literally living life is going to kill you and everyone you care about. And, 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 and I, and I think that's a balance that we've all kind of struggled with. And I'm, I'm wary of like, this has been going on for almost six months like, yeah. that is a twelfth of my son's life. <laughs> like, at a certain level, I'm not going to just hide him in a room, and I'm not going to just hide in a room. I'm going to take the precautions, I'm going to do everything right, but at a certain level, I wanted to see if I could go see a movie without being terrified I was going to get COVID, and without, uh, and, and actually be able to experience it. But I'm not there yet, but I will say, uh, if you're in an area that is, uh, I think, relatively under control, uh, uh, I think theaters are... They're certainly aware of this. There are definitely there are schools here in Georgia that are back to normal and pretending everything is fine, which is terrifying. Theaters are not doing that. Theaters are not doing that. Uh, they they have a lot of precautions in place. I think a lot of that's your personal comfort on these things. Uh, but I do I I found it to be a more comfortable experience, a more tolerable experience than I that I worried it was going to be. Because and it also is a good stage forward of like you know I just I can't sit around terrified all the time. Like I can take precautions. I can take care of the people in my life. But but the idea that like like, uh, like, well, I'll just sit in this room until this is over, whenever that is, is a whole lot of life to be missing. That is, it's, I thought your newsletter was really interesting. I generally think it's interesting. Unlike your friend, Tim, I actually like the newsletter. <laughs> Thank you. Grier, Grier, uh, Solon? Grier, Solon. Yeah. <laughs> For two separate reasons. I mean, one was just generally, at some point, I, I love movies. Um, I've sort of come to rediscover movies in the last couple of years, too, and see a lot more of them, and especially seeking out some of the you know, more unusual ones or the foreign films that get, uh, that make the short list for the right. Oscars. I try to watch, generally try to watch most of them. I am not watching the painted bird. <laughs> don't watch the painted bird. Don't, don't watch the painted bird. It's very upsetting. 
Now, appreciated your shout out to me actually on the podcast too. <laughs> don't, don't, I won't watch the film. You don't read the book and then we're even. <laughs> Deal. Um, but at some point there will be a movie that doesn't hit streaming. We've picked, we've watched a bunch of the movies. We watched Palm Springs and that was great. Um, we watched, uh, what else did we watch? We watched The Burnt Orange Heresy, which mm-hmm. had this great cast and it's based on a war novel and the, the, don't, don't. Yeah. The ending was so disappointing. Anyway. Jagger's in that movie, right? Jagger's in that movie. Jagger's in that movie, and he's good. He's a ham. He's a complete ham, and it's (laughs) he is fantastic. I just smiled every time he showed up. And he was clearly having so much fun doing it. Uh, I was like, okay, sure. Sure, whatever. You got me. I'm completely in. But to me, it's pretty analogous to the choice I'm going to have to face at some point. I have to get on a plane for the job. And to to be clear, the athletic is not making anybody do that. However... If they hold the Arizona Fall League, my professional and frankly personal desire to go out and evaluate those players, it's going to be pretty high. Um, and I, f- I will feel like I have missed something and not fulfilled an obligation to the readers if I don't go out there and do that. But because I don't live in Arizona anymore, that involves getting on a plane. And that's not great. And actually reading your newsletter sort of gave me more food for thought, too, because I'm already thinking about even though we don't know if the Fall League is happening, just what's, what am I going to have to consider personally uh, when ma- trying to make that decision for myself of whether to fly. Once I'm out there, I'll feel fine. It's simply being in an enclosed metal tube that would make me pretty <laughs> nervous about what was going on around me. Yeah, and you know, not for nothing. I'm glad you brought up the idea about like the readers because then I'm a writer. I write about movies. I write about sports. Like I've been to two baseball games. Like I've been to two mm-hmm. major league baseball games. Uh, not because I've uh, it, I, I the first experience. I think they've gotten a little better. The first time it really mm-hmm. felt like you were watching a game in an airplane hangar, and it was the first weekend of games, and I saw it in Cincinnati. That was not great. But like as a someone that writes about not only baseball but about the world and sports and how these things are connected. And frankly, this year that our great-grandchildren are going to wonder what it was like that great-grandpa lived through, uh, (laughs) for me, I kind of feel an obligation to be part of the experience and to find out what's going on and take precautions and be safe. Again, I always, I wrote a piece for medium about uh, the unique place of that generation X has in this, in that we are mm-hmm. very worried about our children and also worried about our parents, the mental health of our children and the physical health yeah. of our parents and being kind of in the middle of that where like, if I give it, I, I and I, and by the way, I've already taken two, uh, uh, I've taken several COVID tests, but I've taken two antibody tests as well. Cause just to try to get that lottery ticket. Like, just like, all right, maybe I, maybe I was asymptomatic. Unfortunately, no. Um, but, like, to live through this experience, t- to me, I feel like if I'm, I'm someone that writes about not only baseball and not only sports and not only movies, but how these things affect us all and how these affect, affect the outside world and how decisions that, that, that politicians and educators make that affect all of us and in, in the world of sports, I kind of feel an obligation if I'm going to write accurately and smartly to not just entirely do it from this room that I'm in right now. And and I understand that there's a risk in that, and I'm doing this. I talked to Derek Gould, the excellent baseball reporter for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. He is one of the few baseball reporters who's going on the road. He's going on the road to cover games. And that required him, at one point, he could not get into the White Sox game because they weren't letting in people from Missouri because that's where we are right now. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, so, but like, I respect the idea b- behind that. I feel like if I'm going to write about what's going on, even if it's, even if it, uh, like, what am I? What am I bringing to people? What what are, what are the things I'm writing about? What am I bringing to them that they're not going to be able to get elsewhere? To me, that's a perspective, and a lot of that perspective involves doing things uh, uh, other than just sitting in this room. And I understand why people do it. I'm not 
the, the passed no judgments on anyone. One of my big things about this whole moment is to not be the shaming person that you are doing this wrong and I am doing this right and you're a jerk. Sometimes it's hard. I live in a college town, Keith. It's really hard <laughs> not to do that sometimes. Uh, but I, I feel like the best I can do is uh, I feel like I kind of owe it to the readers too. I'm kind of I'm glad you kind of mentioned because I don't hear a lot of people talking about that, but I do kind of feel like. Like I, my, like if I'm going to get people to read my stuff and to pay to read my things, I feel like I have to give them something uh, more than just um, me. Uh, maybe it's because I got yelled at for being a, a dirty blogger for so many years. But I kind of <laughs> feel like I got to go out and do some stuff sometimes. So I, I try to do so. My guest today has been Will Leach. You can find him on Twitter at William F. Leach. That's L-E-I-T-C-H. You can find his work at MLB.com, New York Magazine. I recommend his podcast with Tim Grierson, the Grierson and Leach podcast. And you should also subscribe to his newsletter, williamflech.substack.com. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me. An honor. Uh, we'll, we'll see if your athletic bosses allow this to be posted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll be. I'm sure they'll, they'll be like, yeah, who? I think so. Yeah, I think who? they're okay. We don't even know who that guy is. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Keith. And an honor as always. It's great to talk to you. That's all for the show this week. With Labor Day weekend coming up, my message, my usual closing message to stay safe has, I think, a little extra meaning. One, please wear your masks, stay physically distant from others, but also be careful if you're traveling. Labor Day is typically one of the worst weekends of the year for auto accidents and for fatalities. So please, if you are hitting the road this weekend, please uh, drive safely, take care of yourselves, and absolutely wear your masks.